This is the reality. And a very special hello to you, as always. Welcome to The Reality. Yes, indeed. My name is Dudley Anderson, and it's really wonderful to be with you once again to share the story of a life touched and changed by the reality of Jesus Christ. The Reality is produced by Shaw Reality, a listener-supported radio ministry. Today we speak with Franz Cronier, a film producer, director, writer and actor. His first feature film, Faith Like Potatoes, tells the story of the farmer evangelist Angus Buchan, and has been a very successful blockbuster all over the world with over 4 million DVDs sold. Franz grew up in a very religious environment, but later discovered that true faith in Christ is not based upon religious rites or regulations, but rather on a relationship with God through the work of Jesus Christ upon the cross. Before moving into the world of film production, Franz Cronier played professional cricket for 11 years in South Africa and in England. His brother Hansi was also a professional cricket player and captained the South African team for several years in the 90s. Sadly, Franz lost his brother in an air crash. On the 1st of June 2002, he hitched a ride with a courier plane back from Johannesburg back to his wife in, in George where he lived. And there was very bad weather and the plane went into the mountain and he died along with the two pilots. My brother was 32. While we're on earth, we need to live a life that's glorifying God. Um, and trust in me today, I will give you everything for tomorrow that you need. In other words, don't worry about tomorrow. Live now and serve me in the right way and I'll provide for tomorrow. Today we're speaking with Franz Kronier on the phone via Skype. Well, it's my pleasure today on The Reality to speak to Franz Kronier and uh, that's all the way from South Africa. Thank you so much for joining us today, uh, Franz. Franz, you're a film producer, director, writer and actor and cricket player. Uh, wow, so many things that you've been involved in uh, over your lifetime. And we're going to talk a little bit about those things in just a minute. But as always, I'd like to ask you, how did you find the reality of Jesus in your own life? How did you give your life to Jesus? Hi, Dudley. Yeah, um, as you mentioned, the cricket, I'm a very ex-cricket player. Oh. I stopped playing cricket in 1999. Oh. Um, so it feels like 40, 14 lifetimes ago. Oh. Um, but funny enough, my journey with Jesus really started through cricket. Um, I grew up in the free state in South Africa where uh, people are fairly conservative Christian community, going to church all my life, and never really doubted that God's existence. I always believed in God, always believed He was there, um, but never had a relationship with, with God at all. Um, until uh, things really started changing, I think around about 1992, when I played my first season of professional cricket in England. It was in the in the Bolton League, just north of Manchester. <laughs> and my brother Hansi was playing in the Lancashire League at that stage, in the Northern Lancashire League. And um, it was the first time where I was actually confronted by people who were not believers, who didn't believe in, in God at all. Mm-hmm. And there were some of the people at the club there that actually said to me, how can you believe in that junk? And they actually used slightly cruder English than that. But uh, <laughs> um, I said, no, I believe, you know, and I just never doubted. And we we didn't speak much about it. And, and then I was amazed to see... Um, how many cathedrals and and churches at that stage um, didn't have any congregations left and became either a shopping mall or something. Mm. 
Um, at the time, I didn't realize that much of that actually had to do with how expensive it was to maintain the cathedral. But I was being very self-righteous, and I actually said to my brother one day when we had a barbecue, I said to him, you know, the, the people around here seem very ungodly in, in terms of not believing. Um, and then he, I said to him, they've got the most beautiful cathedrals, but those cathedrals are empty. There are no congregations left. Mm. And he had become a Christian a year or two before that. And um, he looked at me and he said, well, aren't we just the same? Are we supposed to, as a believer, you are supposed to be the body of Christ. Um, we are the body of Christ, but aren't we just as empty as those cathedrals? And immediately when he said it to me, I felt really bad about my statement. And I realized I was being very judgmental um, and hypocritical because my own life didn't reflect that of a follower of Jesus at all at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I went to church and that was pretty much the only difference between me and any one of the guys in my club who didn't believe. There was no difference. And it, it really convicted me at that stage. Um, and then for about five years, I went on a, a very religious path. I then wanted to fix things in, you know, in the way that, that a professional sportsman would do it. In mm-hmm. other words, myself, not, mm-hmm. not by Jesus. Um, so I became very religious and I, I um, wrote down the Ten Commandments and I wrote down the fruit of the Spirit, stuck it in my cricket case. So that every time that I opened my cricket cage, case, which was then that was about four times a day at that stage, mm. I would see it and read it, and I would try to drill the Ten Commandments into my lifestyle <laughs> and and try to live the fruit of the spirit in my own power. Um, but it just became worse and worse. I started just feeling worse and worse because in yourself you can never keep the Ten Commandments. You can never live the fruit of the spirit by mm. yourself. It's mm. just impossible. Um, you know, you can strive to live it, but we are sinful. Uh, we live in a sinful world, and we sin daily. Um, you know, and five years later, um, I eventually got to the point where we went on a preseason tour to Kenya and spent ten days playing against the Kenyan national side in Nairobi. And at the end of that, I got quite a bad stomach bug through dirty water that we drank mm. the one day. And um, back in South Africa. I was a bit despondent at that stage, and I sat reading a book by Andrew Murray, um, and I just said to God, "Jesus, you know, come, come into my heart, change me, please. I've, I've tried this. I've tried to be good. I've tried to be religious. Mm-hmm. I've tried to keep your commandments, but I'm failing miserably." Mm-hmm. And he, he immediately changed me. That simple prayer of asking him into my heart and saying, "Please change me. I'm willing to change if you change me." It happened overnight. Um, I woke up the next day, and suddenly I just knew there was something different. I didn't go around telling my friends, but they could see the change. Immediately, people in my team started realizing there was something different about me. I was very ambitious as a cricket player, and I think it was selfish ambition. It wasn't for God's glory. Mm. And when you live a selfish, ambitious life, you put a tremendous amount of pressure on yourself. Um, And I was constantly feeling the pressure to perform because my identity was connected to performance, not to who I am or to Jesus. And when when your identity is connected to cricket, you're going to be miserable because you're failing most of the time. Mm. You could score 100 this week, but next week and the week after you could score a duck. And when you're out for nothing and your personality or your identity is connected to your performance, 
you're going to be miserable. Um, and things really changed. Uh, and that was in 1996. And one morning after three years or three years later, woke up with no more passion for cricket whatsoever. And then I had to assess, uh, who am I then? Mm -hmm. If I'm not a professional cricketer, what is Franz Cronier supposed to do in life? And um, then I had to start to ask myself some serious questions. And and that's where the rest of Franz Cronier's life then started to happen. Oh, right. Post-cricket. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. yeah, well, yeah, it sounds a bit better than post-COVID, which, <laughs> which everybody is a bit worried about. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> so, so, Franz, you said things like uh, your life was empty, like an empty cathedral, and you were doing things by religious rote, uh, and, and uh, eventually you gave your life over to Jesus. What's your message to somebody who's very religious and they think they're going to be, okay, Jack, you know, I'm going to go to heaven, I'm a good man. What's your message to him? <laughs> after that very judgmental self-righteous statement of mine to my brother in 92 I, I've been striving um, not to be judgmental at all I kind of look you know introspect my own life and hopefully through my experience um, touching people's lives but I think the, the most important thing is to maybe just say I tried to be religious I tried that route it, it didn't work and I don't think it works at all mm. um, because really if you're honest with yourself and you're religious you're going to realize that you're failing all the time and it eventually becomes a life of fear if you try and live by the law you're going to be fearful all the time because you're not going to be able to keep it no matter no matter what religion you're in mm -hmm. whether it's christianity islam hinduism buddhism whatever you can't it's impossible you can strive for it but you can't ever keep a hundred percent of any of those those laws um, mm. And I think that's simply the thing is, is, you know, if you feel that you grew up religious, you grew up um, really going because you're feeling this is what you have to do and you don't know Jesus personally and you can't feel you can't speak to him, try it. You know, mm. Try what I did. Say mm. to him, listen, listen, Lord, I, I've come to the end. I can't. I can't do this on my own. Just come and change me. Come and free me from those laws. And it's a, it's a wonderful freedom. It's a wonderful grace to live in mm. when you don't have to live up to anything. Um, I'm super competitive. You know, I grew up in a family where sport was everything. And when sport is everything, there's always a scoreboard. There's always a scoreboard next to the mm. ground. Mm. And you have to be better than someone else. And being a Christian, fortunately, is not that at all. Mm. We don't have to be better than anyone else. In, in fact, Jesus came and he set the example by washing his disciples' feet. Um, you know, and, and the more we serve, the more we try to be the, the least, the, the happier you're going to be. You know, mm. that's, that's a simple reality of life. Mm. Well, the scripture says, uh, as I quoted partly earlier, uh, we are saved by grace. That is God's doing. He did it through Jesus yeah. on the cross and faith in that. But it goes on to say that we're not saved by any of our good works our effort exactly. you know and and, yeah. and that's the, the the bottom line we'll try to work our way into heaven and many other religions yeah. are trying to work their way into paradise but yeah. only through surrendering to jesus uh, and that is the grace of god god did it but god's grace doesn't only save us Franz. god's grace empowers us it equips exactly. us to Same. do those good works Mm, okay, mm. and so you started to do some works for the Lord. You got involved in the film industry, the film world in South Africa. How did that start? <laughs> uh, well, I think it started with um, after I gave my life to the Lord in '96. I started having more and more opportunity to testify at churches, schools, functions, 
because I was a professional cricketer, um, I had many opportunities to speak at dinners and places like that. And I would simply tell my story. And as I was telling my story, I could see it was really inspiring people. And I also saw that I actually had a, a fairly good talent to tell stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and and when I started, when I realized I had no more passion left for cricket and I had to figure out who I am, um, I then had to decide, well, am I going to be a pastor? Am I? <laughs> we've got a fairly well-known pastor in South Africa, Ray McCauley. He was kind of a mentor to me in those days. Mm. He, he said, I think you should be a pastor. And then Peter Pollock, Sean Pollock's dad, um, was a full-time evangelist at the stage. He said to me, you should be an evangelist. <laughs> and another friend of mine, Michael Louis, started the political party a number of years before that. He actually enrolled me as a, as a candidate in the national election. He said, you should be a politician. <laughs> but president. I realized I would be <laughs> miserable in any one of those. Yeah. Um, and I just knew that I wanted to tell stories. And um, at that same time, I read a book called Faith Like Potatoes, which was the biography of Angus Buck and a farmer here in South Africa. And I I asked Angus permission to make the movie about his life and he gave me permission the next morning at 4 a.m. when he called me because <laughs> um, that's when the farmers get up here. Yeah. Um, and uh, and it took me about seven years to actually get to a stage of filming that movie in during which time God really prepared me for it. Um, and that's kind of how I got into the film industry. Um, and my, my main passion is not so much film my my main passion is is people and community transformation i think what really makes me tick is seeing communities transform from one place to another um but the medium that i do it through and the talent that god gave me is is film it's it's being creative and telling stories so my part in community transformation is telling the stories that make people change um, and it's been wonderful in the 20 years since i started doing that to know how many millions of lives around the world have been changed through the stories that we made. Mm. Again, not because I'm clever or great or anything, you know, in fact, of of all the filmmakers I know are most probably the least, but I have a passion for telling stories that changes people's lives, and I think that passion has come through and, and has really made a difference. Um, and it's, a, it's, it's wonderful to see how people change. Uh, Mm-hmm. In, in during that time. Fantastic. Fat Like Potatoes is a great story indeed. I've seen the film. Very well done. Um, but uh, Franz, you've also produced some other films. One is entitled A True Story, which is the story of your brother Hansi, who I believe yeah. was a captain of the South African cricket team at one time. But I believe that he sadly passed away in an air crash. We're going to take a little break, Franz, and when we come back, I'd like you to tell us that story. You are listening to The Reality, produced by Sure Reality, a listener-supported ministry. We value your prayers and support very much. You can help us touch millions of people with the reality of Christ by becoming a vision partner. Visit surereality.net and click on Become a Vision Partner. That is, become a vision partner at surereality.net. Listen again to The Reality on our podcasts at surereality.net. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you've just joined us, this is The Reality, a half-hour talk show talking about the sure reality of life as found in Jesus Christ. Today on The Reality, we're speaking with Franz Krenier, ex-professional cricket player and now filmmaker. Franz has shared how he came to know Jesus Christ as his Lord and Saviour after discovering the reality that religion cannot save you. 
France was brought up in a religious environment and developed a lifestyle of trying to please God by following rules and religious rites. He shared how, as a professional cricket player, his eyes were opened to the reality that people in other parts of the so-called Christianized Western world had no regard for God or the ways of the Christian faith. This challenged Francis' image of Christianity. One day he realized the reality that religion on its own makes no one right with God. Only a humble surrender to God through the proxy work of Christ at Calvary can bring one to a place of real faith. Francis' new faith was soon to be challenged when his brother Hansi lost his life in an air crash. Francis was later to make a feature film of his brother's life called Hansi, A True Story. Let's pick up our chat with Franz Cronier today by asking him to tell us more about what happened to his brother. We're speaking with Franz at his home in South Africa via Skype. He was captain of South Africa during the mid from the mid-90s to the late 90s. He played for South Africa for about a decade um, and became really one of the few ambassadors of change, I suppose you can call it. Um, and... Uh, you know, he was really well loved. Um, as I said earlier, he really loved the Lord as well. Um, and then, unfortunately, towards the end of his career, um, some of the bookmakers in India got him involved in a in the in the way that I think they've involved many other players in in world cricket, um, especially the captains of of national sides, because through the captains they can gain information. Of, uh, in how to set up betting and mm. they work out their odds and things. And unfortunately, he he made a few serious mistakes in the process and in accepting money from them. Um, and for that, he was banned for life from cricket, um, which really was a tough time for him. Um, he, he went into a seriously bad depression for about 18 months after that um, and just got his life back together. I, I saw him about two weeks before he passed away and he was he was the old Hansi again, old um, friendly person who, you know, who, who actually had a lot of confidence mm. um, and was really looking great. And, and then on the 1st of June 2002, um, he hitched a ride with a courier plane back from Johannesburg back to his wife in, in George where he lived. And there was very bad weather and the plane went into the mountain and he, he died along with the two pilots. Wow. And uh, yeah, we decided to make a feature film of his story. Wow. Just because, again, it had so many lessons. And it was kind of like a prodigal son story, um, in a sense, I suppose. But um, even that story has really affected many lives around the world, I think, for the better as well. By the way, Netflix has just made a... A documentary about him as well um, mm -hmm. and I've seen the final product even though it hasn't been aired yet and and I think they did a very good job of this of the story as well fantastic uh, and of course um, Hansi was instrumental in your own salvation coming to know the Lord a yeah. great story indeed you know um, just thinking about him for a minute and 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 what you've shared about his life uh, you know none of us is <laughs> perfect by a long shot you know uh, uh, Franz and uh, though Hansi came short he made a, a great error in life he did recover from that and um, though his career his cricket career uh, had terminated as you just said his life changed but then God took his life what, what is the meaning to that Franz? My own sort of experience during that time was um, he, you know he was 32 years old at that stage he had he had gone through that very difficult time he just got out of it and then he passed away, mm. um, you know, and 
Uh, we heard early that morning that his plane had gone missing, but we didn't know whether they were alive or not. So I started driving from Cape Town to George. It was about a four-hour drive. And only halfway to George um, did the owner of that courier company call me to tell me he had passed away. Mm. Um, and he asked me to call my, my family and let them know. Um, oh. By then, the, the whole world had already found out the plane was missing. So media were calling me from India, Australia, England. Friends were calling from everywhere. And um, by the time I'd finished calling all my family and cried my heart out, stopped at a little garage next to the road, bought a cool drink and got back into the car. My cell phone's battery went flat. And I started speaking to God and I said to him, you know, Lord, I'm not rebellious, but I would have done things slightly different. (laughs) Uh, He had just got through all of this and so many people sent prophecies and things saying they believe God is now going to use Hansi like this or like that and they were all wrong and I I think that was most probably the clearest I ever heard God's voice hmm. not audibly but in, in my heart and, and I, I felt he's saying to me it's not for you to know what's going to happen tomorrow but if you serve me with your whole heart today um, and trust in me today I will give you everything for tomorrow that you need in other words don't worry about tomorrow live now and serve me in the right way and I'll provide for tomorrow um, and and then the next day I had to identify Hansi's body mm-hmm. after they had recovered it from the mountain um, and I was really nervous because I'd never had to do that before mm. but walking into that police station and identifying his body gave me the most amazing peace ever um, I walked in there and I realized that was not Hansi and along with that I, I just had a sense that um, God gives us a freedom of choice on earth, and we can live our lives according to how we choose. There's a path that's wrong, and there's a path, path that's right, um, but God doesn't force us into anything. By Through His love and by His grace, He gives us the freedom to choose. Um, but I kind of feel that God knows beforehand when our time's going to be done on earth. Some of us young, some of us older. You know, my grandfather was by the same name as my brother Hansi was 96 when he passed away but my brother was 32 Uh, but both of them had full lives and and I kind of feel that God knows beforehand that Hansi would have gone on the 1st of June 2002 so I don't have an issue with his death at all Mm -hmm. and um, I think our responsibility is while we're on earth we need to make a difference while we're on earth we we need to live a life that's glorifying God and and I think it's simply, simply put, it, it, it hangs on two things. First of all, you've got to love God with your whole heart and your whole soul and everything. Secondly, you've got to love your fellow man as much as, as you love yourself. And if you live by that, um, mm. then I think you will live a fulfilled life and you'll make a difference. You, you'll actually matter on earth. Mm. On earth. You mm. don't, we don't all have to win gold medals. We don't all have to build tall buildings and, and be billionaires. Um, you, you can live a simple life, but if you live a life like that, you're going to live a life wa- and serve other people, which I think is important. Um, mm. I, I think faith without works is, is completely dead, as, as it says in the book of James. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have faith in God and you, and you don't love people and you don't make a difference in other people's lives, I think you have to seriously analyze your own faith because then I'm not sure it's it's, re- it's, it's real or accurate. Mm-hmm. You cannot live for yourself and you cannot only sit in church and pray and sing all day long. That faith needs to get outside of that building and serve people. 
Um, and I think Hansi was a good example of that. And since his death, I think that has really become my motto is to, to, to let my faith, you know, have works. And yeah. I spent far less time in church than I spent outside of church because I believe being outside is where we need to make a difference. Yes, absolutely. Praise God. And as you've just shared, you know, his life is still changing lives even today through your story. Wonderful mm. stuff indeed, uh, Franz, and I praise God for that. You are a, a passionate man. I believe once on a trip to Germany, you discovered a new word, the word Leidenschaft, if I pronounce that correctly, which means yes, passion. <laughs> and uh, that reminds us of, of another great filmmaker, Mel Gibson, who uh, yeah. made that film, The Passion of the Christ. And uh, the word, the German word Leidenschaft literally means long-suffering. What are your yes. passions? What is your long-suffering, Franz Krenier? Yeah, I, I think that word really put passion into into perspective for me because Leidenschaft means suffering ship, really, if you translate it directly. What are you willing to suffer for? So if, if you, you know, it's, it's easy to say I'm passionate about soccer and I love watching Manchester United play, but that's really, that's not really passion because true passion is being willing to die for something. Jesus' true passion was us. He was willing to die for us so that we could live. Um, you know, so that put it into perspective and I had to analyze whether the passion that I say is my passion is true passion. But my true passion, as I just touched on briefly, is changing people's lives. It's changing communities. Come on. Yeah. Um, and, and it's been wonderful. In the last two months, um, I moved to a different town. I'm now living in the town of Sienakal in the Free State um, in South Africa. It's a small town and it's a town that's been very badly managed by the current government and, and has been very run down and uh, about six months ago there was just one of many um, farmers murdered in the district and this time it was a young farmer who was brutally murdered um, mm -hmm. and found um, hung by you know they, after murdering him they put a, a, a wire around his neck oh, and tied him to a fence um, and that's where his parents found him oh, um, no. so it, it's brutal and the white people and the black people in the area then squared off. They, was, they were seconds away from civil war. Um, and the politicians obviously made things worse. And you had people very far right and people very far left um, hmm. making everything worse. Um, and the wonderful thing that happened is there was a, a, a guy by the name of John Matuthle, a, a, a black pastor in the area who was one of the first people in South Africa, I believe, to speak out against these horrific murders of, of white farmers. And he said, listen, guys, no matter what the part that was like, this is wrong. And he actually was marching that day with the white farmers as opposed to the militant black group. Hmm. And that broke the spirit of hatred that I think has been there for decades in that hmm. area, Great. if not for centuries. And there was such a sweet sense of now unit, having unity and wanting to build the community rather than fight each other. Um, so I decided to, to actually move there and mm. to, to establish a new film industry in the area. Um, but not just establish a new film industry, also to be involved in, in helping to build the, the town. Praise God. But my talent is telling stories. So my part in all of that process is about 80% telling stories, 20% helping on some of the stuff in town. But I'm, I'm a 
I'm a 100% part of that whole process. And and it's just such a wonderful place to have the peace that I'm at the right place at the right time. Fantastic. Um, so I think, again, coming back to how important peace is that you're at the right place. Yeah, and, and it's wonderful. Now, I'm 54 years old, and, and I had to move again. <laughs> and I, I got here, and I just knew this is the right place. Fantastic. I hope it all makes sense. Absolutely. Fantastic. Well, with a real passion for Christ, thank you so much, Franz, for joining us today on The Reality. Well, today on The Reality, we've been speaking to Franz Grunier. Franz is a movie maker and an ex-cricketer, as we heard today. He discovered the reality to trust God for today and believe that he will take care of tomorrow. And Jesus reminded us not to worry about tomorrow. Let the day have enough worries about itself. But he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the things we need in daily living will be given to us as well. The Reality is produced by listener-supported radio ministry, Sure Reality. Find out more at the website, surereality.net. So it is from me to you as always, keep walking in the sure reality of Christ. <laughs>